0: Welcome to the On Point Podcast, a channel dedicated to helping you be the best hunter you can be. On Point is designed to help motivate and inspire you to get more out of yourself and your gear during your next hunt. If you're looking for information that will directly impact your success and help inspire you to go on new adventures, whether you're hunting with a bow or a rifle, On Point is the channel for you. Hey guys, welcome to this week's episode of the podcast where Royce Chambers and I get to sit down and talk about common archery mistakes. These are things that I still do, that I work on all the time. You know, no one's above the basic foundational principles of archery, and this episode really, really hits home on some of those foundations, picking your lane, running in it, and just building your own shot process, but following some good foundations along the way to help make you the most accurate shot you can be. So Royce Chambers and I go over our top five things that we think uh you could work on or learn from things that we still work on like i said and it's a lot of information for beginner archers to experience archers it, whether it's learning something new or it's just a reminder of what to work on a lot of great information on this episode so i'll see you guys at the end enjoy I've been I've been avoiding this topic for a while, but um, you know because it's a great way to get shredded online. <laughs> there's so many different opinions out there. Um, there's so many different. Just
1: yeah, I mean, go guys, on archery, go you, on archery talk and look how to get flamed. Yeah, <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah. You know, I, there's a reason I quit going on there, and it's because I posted about um, archery uh, minutes of angle. I, I said MOA because I'm like I'm on an archery form. I don't need to say AMOA. Right. And I got torn up. Bows aren't rifles. What are you talking about? Moa. I'm like clearly, everybody on here is an expert and doesn't know their ass from a tea kettle. So, right. Um, I haven't been on there since, but um, my videos get posted on there, which is kind of cool. Yeah, they do. Me that I earlier. saw one of your videos on there. Yeah. So, yeah.
1: So yeah, we're just covering. I think we're each gonna pick maybe like five of our. Yeah, I'm sure a lot of them will overlap.
0: Yeah, I, you know, and if you guys need to go, don't don't worry. It's not you're not gonna hurt my feelings by leaving early. This will be up on YouTube. It'll be on the podcast. I think Royce is gonna co upload it.
1: Yep. Yeah, so... Yep, we got a couple of co-uploads going yeah.
0: here. So, uh, this is going to be common mistakes made by bow hunters uh, for shooting process, shooting tips, and stuff like that. I would
1: go, yeah, bow hunters. Bow hunters. Rather than,
0: yeah, target. I'm not going to give target shooters okay. any tips. Okay. Um, so, things that I see in, in, in the first... I'm just going to kind of regurgitate what we did in the video, because it's still valid. Oh, can you let me kick it me. off? Yeah, go ahead. I'm going to
1: kick it off. Improper draw length.
0: <laughs> ah, ah, very common. That's
1: my first... First one, because I too have, I always float around draw lengths. Like I'll go from 28 and a half to 29 down to 28, a longer D loop, shorter D loop, put a twist in a cable or a twist in a string, excuse me, constantly messing with draw length. And you can correct me if I'm wrong. You're the archery guy. <laughs> I just shoot stuff with a bow sometimes. But if you are anchored in the incorrect position. Yes. You can cause what you talked about earlier, yeah. Facial pressure, yeah. improper anchor points, mm-hmm. improper releasing, all this stuff mm-hmm. can and I mean bad form, you can you know, all that can be caused from an improper drawing. Right. So that's my number one I think is is your is improper both setup as a whole, but more than anything I think improper drawing.
0: That's very common, and I see it all the time. And I don't know why, and I have an idea why. But usually, it's too long of a draw length, yeah. more than it is too short. And I think what guys are doing is that they're is that they're chasing speed. And with these new bows nowadays, you know, I I chase speed too. But I buy the bow, and I you know I I yeah. buy a turbo sure. that gains me five to ten feet per second over what I would be shooting. But I'm shooting the correct draw length. I'm not sure. buying uh, a fairly fast bow and then going too long and we're going there was, too light to we're try we're going and get too that speed. light and what guys are doing you know what some guys have done in the past you know they've used overdraw bows to get that speed up uh, you know you'll see some guys anchor way back here you know Cameron Haynes uh, that's how he shoots he shoots with his, with his thumb back here um, is he shooting wrong no I'm not gonna say he's shooting wrong yeah. he's shooting in his lane okay and guy.
1: The guy hardly ever misses anything.
0: No, he's a great shot, and yeah. I, you know, I, I've have shot next to him. I've shot, seen him shoot. You know, he, he's legit, and that he's running in his own lane. And right. where you're going with, with that? What reminded me of somebody that, is that one that Vegas shoot, and he recently just actually had it stripped from him. But he was shooting a Martin bow, and his draw length and everything it looked bad, looked way too long and yeah. stuff like that. If if I remember right but he was still able to be consistent and he was still able to duplicate his shot process. Now, when we get into this episode, you're going to hear me talk about consistency and you're going to hear me talk about duplication over and over and over and over again because
1: you know, principles don't change. <laughs> right. Well, Fads archery do. archery is a simple principle. Right. Right. Draw the bow, draw the bow, put the pin where it's supposed to go and release make and release the arrow. Yeah. And the arrow goes where the pin goes, yeah. assuming that you're both set up not even set up right. Your bow could be completely <laughs> out of tune, set up incorrectly, right. wrong draw length. Right. If you consistently anchor to the same exact spot and consistently release the same exact way, right. wherever that pin is that you have sighted in, the arrow is going to go there. The, the tail of the arrow might point one way or the other if right. you're real out of tune, but the point of the arrow is going to hit where the pin is. Well, somebody said uh, that pro shops
0: aren't doing anybody any favors, something like that. And, uh, you know, I find that, you know, talking to guys like Jimmy um, over East is that they, they, they use mechanicals almost as a crutch or a shortcut versus getting a good tune yeah um and, and for for reasons like that you know they're just getting people out way quicker you got to think about the bow hunting capitals of the usa pretty much pennsylvania i mean that's sure. where yeah when they're designing bows matthews is designing bows and i don't really think they're thinking of the guys over here they're thinking of a guy in a tree stand over in pennsylvania and that's why you're getting a 4.8 pound bow right <laughs> you know so uh, But i, I shoot a heavy bow better you do well, I would rather have a light bow and put the weight where I want yeah. than start with a freaking heavy bow. Of course. Bow. I shot that halon and then uh, you know, I carried it around, around in the wilderness for a year. My buddy had to chill. Yeah. And um, I had to carry his bow for a second and I was like, What am I doing? Same thing happened. It was like me. over a pound yeah. difference. And yeah. then but it doesn't sound like a lot, but when you're doing six, eight, ten miles mm-hmm. in crappy country. A lighter bow really does help, and I know we're in a rabbit hole here. but We are. That's, um, that's
1: the podcast game. But it is.
0: Uh, so draw length, totally agree. Um, it's it's very important to have that. Is it an end-all, be-all? No. You can have a short draw length, and if I'm going to be off on my draw length, I'd rather be short than long. Yeah, It's easier to draw. It's easier to anchor. Um, you can, I feel like you can be more consistent and duplicatable with your shot process. You're not going to struggle to find your anchor as much because you can still anchor off your jawline rather than finding a spot back off your ear. Um, you know, But in a perfect world, shoot the right, shoot the correct draw length. And for different bows, guys, draw lengths may be different. Okay. So for Hoyt, a 28 is a 28. For yep. Matthews, 28 could mean 28 and a half, yeah. 28 and a little bit of change. I mean, sure. So I shoot a uh, 28 and a Hoyt and then a 27 and a half and a Matthews.
1: Yeah, and I shoot a 28 and a half and a Hoyt, mm-hmm. and I'm a 29 on my elite. Are you? Yeah. Wow. I think it's because of the... The uh, limb stops compared to the cable stops. Very possible. Because the Hoyts give you a little extra, I mm-hmm. think, on the sponge.
0: There's a little bit of sponge on them. And, uh, you know, even when I went back and shot my Halon, when I first bought my Halon, I'm like, man, this thing has such a solid back wall. But going back and shooting it, yeah. there's, there's sponge there. There's I mean, sponge As the bows get better, you can pick apart the bows that were amazing three years ago. Sure. And it's just really cool to watch. But uh, So my first one would probably be... The most common common thing, I, and I was wanting to save this later, but it's going to come out now because it's my number one is uh, a crappy shot process. Yeah, uh, you you are way too committed, way too early in your shot. You're punching the trigger. It's target panic, and what you're doing is you're developing bad habits from the beginning. And actually, maybe I can put that off and go back to the release. Choosing the wrong release. I shouldn't say the wrong release, but a release that will not allow you to build good habits. And I'm talking about the caliper releases that have a Velcro wrist strap. They have a uh, a bar that's that long. You got, it's, you got the, yeah, the I've safety got one. release I've got a safety there. release right here. It's got a bar that's that long, and you have to reach to go out and get that trigger. Well, that's not building any good habits. Right. That takes so much mental, like, toughness to be able to fight the feeling of punching that trigger i don't care how long you've been shooting if do you use hinge, one of these
1: things do you have a hinge up here
0: uh, my hinge is in my truck
1: i could run downstairs and grab one. Uh, oh, but that's for the video yeah you know
0: um but you know choosing the proper release if you're going to choose a caliper release there's nothing wrong with it but at least choose one to where you can bring that thing in and my release sits right here in my hand yep that's and my so when i wrap it around and i pull back it's about right there and then I'm executing my shot with about that part of my fingers, and there goes like that, and I squeeze and pull back my elbow. Nowhere in that process am I going wham, and I'm punching it harder than freaking Mike Tyson. There's nowhere in my <laughs> shot, shot process where you're punching a trigger, and when I say don't do that, you typically won't hear me say that, but don't do that. That's not even on the track of foundational principles of archery. Right.
1: Well, That's in know, left
0: freaking field.
1: A lot of guys, if you watch a lot of hunting videos, yeah. like a lot of guys – Whack the shit out of a trigger. (laughs) And it still works. It still works just fine because they have I think for me it came when I first started shooting, punched the shit out of the trigger all the time. Everybody does. I did hardcore, but what changed was I started getting into archery compare I think that you could consider archery and bow hunting two different things. Mm -hmm. And I got I was still into bow hunting, of course, but I got more into archery for bow hunting. Mm -hmm. And so what that did was then you start searching down while well, I need to create this perfect shot process. Mm-hmm. And that goes in with your release, right? I had a mm-hmm. caliper that had like probably an eighth inch of trigger travel. There's no way to really accurately, for me at least, to squeeze through that without wanting to whack the crap out of it. Right. So I think when I started learning about how you're actually supposed to do it, if I had never learned how you're supposed to do it, I'd probably be a far better shot right now. You
0: would never know if someone ever told you or showed you. Right. I'd I still,
1: I'd still probably, and that was when I was better. Like, I had no thoughts of, oh gosh, oh, I'm going to whack it. Right. No, <laughs> I, it just went where it was supposed to go. Right. And now, now I'm like, I'm a basket case when it comes to, you know, shooting different things. I hunted with a hinge this year because I did not trust myself enough to. Make a good shot process with anything besides a hinge, and you can still punch a hinge.
0: You can still punch it. You can manipulate it. Um, you know, granted, I th- I do honestly think it is harder in wind um, than a caliper or a trigger style release. But you can you can manipulate that thing just like you can a trigger and get it to go off when you want it to go off.
1: I understand the, the harder in the wind thing, <laughs> but if you're executing a proper shot with any release,
0: any release, you're
1: gonna miss the same exact way with a trigger, with a thumb trigger, with a back tension, with a hinge. Any release you're shooting, if you're executing the shot, right, pulling through, right, you're going to miss every single time in the same exact way, right. Whatever release you're shooting.
0: Well, I, you know, guys say, you know, a lot of guys say that the hinges are no good in the wind. And to add on to your point is, I follow up that with a question. I'm like, why? Because then they're telling me that I'm punching it in the wind. And granted, I punch the trigger a lot in the wind, and I still fight the urge to do that. And I did it in Africa, and it didn't end well. And uh, long story short, you know, I work on target panic more than guys who probably have target panic because it's it's not a battle you win. It's a war you have to keep fighting if you're going to shoot a bow. Target panic. And that's sure. the whole – that's pretty much 90% of what we're going to talk about people doing wrong is target panic.
1: Well, all things, All things put together that can lead to that, right? Uh-huh. Can we get into – so I don't know how deep we want to get into this, but – you're saying using the wrong release. Can we tie in using the wrong release method with that? Sure. Okay. So, anybody that's watching or listening, um, I would assume, I, I would probably say 50 plus percent of you didn't start out shooting a hinge unless you started out in target archery. Right. Um, you probably got your regular straightforward caliper release. And what we mean by that is it's got a trigger on one side and two jaws. That separate and the string releases straight out of the center of it. Correct. So there are really good uh, trigger style releases Great. that have a sear. Yeah. That have a hook style and a sear, mm-hmm. and they break at whatever poundage you set them at. Mm-hmm. My and, short and sweet. Right. Yeah. I just uh, ordered an RX one not too long ago, Carter. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. I'm hoping I can get that heavy enough. Yeah. Because yeah, that's then I could practice with a hand, shoot that. Anyways, um, so assuming you guys all started with that, I would assume that. 99.9% of anybody listening whacked the crap out of the trigger the first time. I would
0: absolutely. I didn't learn how to shoot a bow until even just a few years, probably four years ago. I, yeah. I, would I say shot bows for years, and then I was working with the guy at our shop, uh, John, and he was a, you know, I think he was a triple crown champion. He was a national champion. He's a beast. And a, amazing archer. Amazing archer. And, I, you know, he, you know, I was shooting in the range with him and I was trying to show off and press him and stuff. And then he's like, you know, you shoot, you shoot good. And I told him, and I was, I was actually going, you know, I was going there to learn and I, right. I sought out his help because I'm like, man, I shoot good, but I want to shoot better. Right. And he's like, let's, let's, you do, you shoot good. But he's like, your off days are going to look like this. Right. You know, you have your off days. And if you have your off days in archery, you know, you have, you have a day where that pin just won't settle. Your groups are like this. It like, whatever x 60 70 yards he's like my days i have off days too my off days are like this yeah he's like that's the difference between a guy like you and a guy like me i'm like what do you mean he's like a guy that's properly executing a shot and a guy that's not and then i'm like oh and it kind of just made me it tossed a, a gear in my in my brain i'm like i need to i really need to learn how to shoot a bow like yeah you can do it really accurately wrong or maybe not proper but you are going to gain those extra couple puzzle pieces to put the whole puzzle together. And then it's going to be like, why wasn't I doing this earlier?
1: Well, it's true. As you progress, you know, you go... I remember when I was shooting a volleyball at 15 yards. Mm-hmm. And I was so stoked <laughs> to put six arrows in a volleyball at 15 yards. Yeah. Now, if I'm not putting an arrow in the X at 15 yards, I'm like, ah, it's a bad shot process, <laughs> right. right? Like, Yeah. So, it just... it's. It's just a process we go through, and yeah, same thing for me. Somebody told me one day, and they ruined my life when they told me that. (laughs) They're like, hey, you know, you're shooting wrong. I'm like, what do you mean I'm shooting wrong? That thing's money. Mm -hmm. But then you start thinking about it, and yeah, you have those off days where you just can't hit your ass. You know, the
0: guys that I shoot with at 3D Shoots and stuff, if I'm punching the trigger or if I start not executing a shot, they let me know. Yeah. And I feel like two people are too proud. To I'm like and if I'm doing
1: that I want to know because a lot of times it's subconscious you don't even know you're doing these things right so let's talk about the proper shot process we'll go through just your big three kinds of of triggers that people are gonna use so okay we'll talk about an index release a thumb release mm-hmm. and a hinge right yeah. so you you shoot a. Index. So I shoot I'll a, let you uh, take that over. Yeah, I shoot an index
0: release, or um, you know, basically just a regular trigger release. Yeah, a trigger. And uh, activated with your index. A, finger a, a wrist rocket. Um, I don't use my 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 index finger. I use my whole hand. Right. Um, there's a reason I do that. Is because it's way too easy to punch oh, yeah. the trigger with one finger. If you activate your whole hand or use your whole hand, you're relying on much more than just a finger, and you can slowly, more securely, at least for me. And this is the way I've heard it from another championship archer. Um, that if you, if you just slowly make a fist while keeping tension on your, on your elbow and then bring in that elbow back and then trying to act like you're pinching this pencil with your shoulder blades and like, you're going to try and hold it there together. You're kind of going like this. And so when you see these pro archers execute a shot, it goes like that.
1: Yeah. They break apart. That's why they,
0: yeah, it's called, it's called getting a good separation on the shot or getting a good break. Sure. And, uh, you know, you could do that with it, with an index. It is probably 10 times harder to do that with an index than it is a hand release, uh, which I shoot the uh, the HBC Honey Badger, uh, or whatever they call it. By True Ball. True Ball. Yeah. Um, HBC a Hinge Release. And I could kick my own butt shooting against myself if I shot with the hinge versus the trigger. Oh, yeah. Hands yeah. down. Not I, even down. I, I shoot feel a, 50% more accurate with my hinge. I have a
1: hinge. Carter Honey 2 is the hinge that I shoot. And same thing, man, I'm it's lights, light day. lights out with a hinge. Yep. yep. And like I said, this year, that shot I took on that bull mm-hmm. is 52 yards. And I just drew and anchored like there was nothing <laughs> in the world that could have stopped me from making a perfect shot. Yeah. Like so much confidence with a hinge. And you're probably the same way. When you're looking at X's with a hinge, mm-hmm. like. I'm surprised when they don't go there. Yeah. You're you like, know? what happened? And that's yeah. when you can really break down your. uh Yep. your your flaws in your form so with a hinge you you would draw an anchor basically with your forefinger and your middle finger mm-hmm. straddling your jawbone mm-hmm. and then for me i just kind of relax my index finger mm-hmm. i keep that that squeeze in my back and if you're going to execute any release properly mm-hmm. it's going to be squeezing your back but 99 percent of us don't do that when we're shooting at something right? adrenaline <laughs> takes over so so you get anchored yeah. there And as you're squeezing through with your back, and I just relax my index fingers, squeeze, 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 boom, and it breaks, right? Mm -hmm. And you you get that motion like that. Yeah. And you notice... It feels good. You notice it does. It feels great. Yeah. But you notice if you go from shooting something that you're you're consciously activating the trigger on, then you go to release. I shoot left-handed. I always shoot right. And you probably shoot left with your Mm hinge because that follow-through is going... For me, at least, I, I consistently shoot right compared to my thumb release because
0: I shoot uh a little lower. Lower? Yeah, I add two yards onto my onto my pot okay. dial and I shoot.
1: Maybe that's just where you're anchoring.
0: It, uh, it a lot of it is uh, the the different style of hooks. So a caliper release, if you're using a caliper right. release, it goes like that. If your hooks like this, it's putting a little bit. It's it's the way that the string reacts against um, the hook or the release. It's just a different style. So different releases will cause you to shoot differently even though nothing's really changed.
1: Right. And then we take a thumb release. I know you're not a fan. (laughs) You can still punch. Yeah, I don't know. Oh, you can punch it easy. You can punch it. So with a thumb release, though, you're going to draw... I guys use that as a a placebo. Oh, yeah. That's what it was for me. (laughs) Until I went to just... A hinge. A hinge. That's what's fixed me so far. And, And you could take the same principles you learned shooting a hinge to an index or a thumb release. But I think... It closely relates more to a thumb release, but in the long run, I think you're better off with a, right. with an index going from a hinge to an index. So with a thumb release, you're going to draw, and I, I set the thumb trigger way deep in my mm-hmm. in the last joint on my thumb, and then just kind of same thing, relax my index finger and pull, 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 and you can get that same surprise release mm-hmm. with that as you can with anything else. Well,
0: absolutely. If you If you execute a shot properly all the executions when the shot goes off should feel the same it should have the same effect right you should get that separation now with a lot of these bows and the offs that you're getting you're not you're, you, know, you maybe the, the separation won't be so magnified right um, I'm shooting 85 80 mods versus the 85 with the turbo so you know I'm getting I'm getting quite a bit I've even had some guys you know man you, you move a lot when you shoot aren't you worried about the animal no, I'm not. You know, I just, I've never had that problem because yeah. when I shoot, you know, there's always a little bit of movement. If the animal's going to bust on you, me going like that's not going to be it. I, I've never had that happen. Right. Um, where it's, it's, you know, me shooting and moving has costed me an I animal. think my
1: last bow was 75%. Was it? This one's 85.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
1: So along with the movement, let's, let's uh, bump on to the next one. Yeah. So another one that I want to go it, over and I got the Is it my pick or bow. your pick? Um, Is it your pick? We'll go with your pick. we we'll
0: will go get with mine. the next one. Okay, mine will be the grip. And so, okay. are you going to choose that? No. Okay, good. So, uh, I have the Akibo here, and um, I it's so cool doing a live video because on a podcast, no one would ever see this. Right. Uh, but, so, when you see me shooting, and I'll get over here. When you see me shooting my bow, a lot of times you'll have me knock an arrow, right? And then you'll see me knock or uh, put my release on the D-loop. And then you'll see me putting pressure against my hand like that, and that's getting it in the same spot because it feels the same. The pressure is yeah, the same. I do the same. There's a line that goes down right here on your palm, basically straight in line with your index finger going straight down in the middle of your palm. That bow should be on the thumb side of that line, right? And then it should be your your knuckles should be about at a forty five. Now if they're more like that, or they're more like that, or whatever, you know, choose your lane, but um, typically, what I do is everything's relaxed. Using my front two fingers around the on the front of the riser, and then I'm not doing this at full draw. I'm not finding my grip at full draw. You're, what you're doing is you're introducing torque. You're you're introducing way too many variables that aren't duplicatable, that aren't able to basically be repeated. It's just not consistent. Right. So get that grip now before you pull back, and then keep that grip the whole time. And then what a lot of guys will do is they'll go shoot, and then they'll grab their bow. Yep. Right. So. What I do is and, – and that's a lot of guys that have target panic will do that um, because they're anticipating the shot. It's, it's oh, crap. You know, my, bow's went, my bow went off or they, they will get that flinch. Sometimes when they expect their bow to go off and it doesn't, they'll get that flinch. That's because their brain is anticipating the shot and, and they've trained their brain to grab the bow, do everything all at once. And so that's when they, they shoot. Their elbow just sticks right there. Nothing moves, you know.
1: Super rigid. It's super rigid,
0: super uncomfortable. And just super twitchy, right? So relax. You find your grip before the shot. Put your release on there. This is my shot process. If that doesn't work for you, then find some other way.
1: Sounds like we have a similar shot process. Yeah,
0: but I can tell everybody for sure what you should want to look for is not your grip when you're at, when you're at full draw. Oh yeah, that's not what you what you should be worried about.
1: All I all I try and think about when I'm at full draw is aiming. Yeah.
0: Is that's, executing a shot. That's really all I all I focus I on.
1: I almost don't even think about executing when you get the when you shoot enough arrows with the same kind mm-hmm. of thing in, in a practice situation, like I basically can draw and all I just think about is burning that pin through the target. Like <laughs> yeah. that's what I do. I look at the target and my subconscious kind of takes over where the pin's at, right? Yeah. You're probably the same way. I look at the target too. If I you don't stare look at if pin. you stare at the pin it goes bonkers and yeah. then you want to punch the it. The target so. should be
0: typically is is stationary right, right. your pin is not and so it's going to make you feel less accurate when you're focused on something that's moving focus on that and then just let the pin float right and then
1: i try and pick out like on a on a critter a lot of the times uh-huh. like a deer especially yeah that crease i just the crease a focus. shadow uh
0: mud a clot, hair a, hair, a yeah. spot whatever it may be
1: i pick one aim small miss small you know yeah exactly. a lot of guys i think shoot at this just shoot at the center of them.
0: They shoot when, when a lot of guys what they do and I see this all the time is that they'll draw and then you'll you'll see them moving their bow up, moving their bow down, typically not from side to side. They're either doing this, coming down on it or they're doing this and then when it goes right by the they go like that. Yeah. So they're 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 drive-by shooting and that's again target panic, but um you know, or if um or if they're they're they they do come to the side to side, let me say the animal's moving. Um, as soon as it gets on that vitals, they punch the trigger. Well, your bow's still moving, so now you just probably just moved that far, and you yeah. gut shot something, yeah. or your shoulder hit it. So, you have to let your pin sit for I would say a couple seconds before you pull that trigger, or else you're just asking for a very inaccurate shot somewhere that you're not going to like where it hits. Right. And there is um there's plenty of guys that I know that have that have not let their pin settle. They just as soon as it gets in that kill zone area, they're punching it. And, I'm, I'm
1: guilty of doing that before, you know,
0: that's one thing that when I started off hunting, you know, my first couple of years, yeah, would I do that? Yeah, I I I'd do that. And, uh, you know, is, is, is you get more shots, you know, you learn that it's just not worth it.
1: Well, and you start to learn too, like that deer's still going to be there, you know, where yeah. that elk's still going to be there. Yeah. You, you draw and you anchor and you think it's this big race. And when you think about it and afterwards, you're like, man, I really rushed that.
0: I used to do that when I started off bow hunting. It was like, get the shot off, get the shot off, get the shot off. But now now it's like, if I don't feel good on the shot, and I've done this on probably half a dozen animals, I'll draw back and say it's 70 yards. It's getting out there. And I do shoot that far, and I shoot animals that far successfully, very successfully. And say I draw back, and I may get bashed for that, but I draw back and say you know I can shoot playing cards at 70, the animal's feeding, everything's perfect, wind's good. And I'm drawn back and my pin just won't settle. I'm going to let down, give myself a, a deep breath, give my f- myself five to 10 seconds, raise my bow up, try it again. Okay. There it is. Pump. And then I'll smoke that animal. I mean, I've done that literally, I've done that probably three times at longer distances. And I've even done that at shorter distances. I've done that at 30, 40 yards. If my pin won't settle, then why are you taking the shot? You're, right. If you aren't, for sure, and this goes guns, bows, whatever it may be. It's a long shot, and it's a low percentage shot. If you're hoping to hit the animal where you're supposed to be, if you're if you're if you're saying, "Oh, you're so freaking dead," I'm gonna, i I've already got you on the barbecue. You're you're not you're yeah, dead. It's perfect. It's that's a good shot to take. Yeah. But if you're hoping to hit the hit the intended spot on that deer or hit the deer in general, you're not being an accurate shot, and you're not taking shots you should be. Right. So that's why you know. Effective ranges are great, but maybe on that animal at that moment, your effective range is not out that far. So, yeah. I don't know. There's, there's, that's a whole rabbit hole we can get into. But, um, you know, man, <laughs> I, I get, I, I can get can really, get, real can get deep get real into this. Fired up yeah. Here. So, so I, don't, I don't know how we got there.
1: So my next one, pulling too much weight. <laughs> yeah, I've done What's that. What's the difference in in three pounds can be a huge difference. Huge. So if huge. you don't shoot a lot, if you don't shoot a lot, seventy pounds for a lot of guys is a lot of weight. I, you know, when you're shopping bows on like, say use bows, right? You're looking, mm-hmm. you see a lot of 55 pound, 65 pound bows. And I'm always like, dang, these guys, I'm like, where are the 80 pound <laughs> limbs at? I want to, sh- I want a bow with 80 pound limbs. Yeah. And you know, we both exercise a lot and shoot our bows a lot. That's a good point. Uh, deer whisperer. We're going to get to that. Um, you know, we both exercise a lot. So w- what is it? Three foot per second per pound pulled. I think on average. Oh, uh, something like that. I think so. So the, Three the to difference, five depending on the the bill. difference in saying you know, saying you're shooting a 450 grain arrow at 290, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. now you're shooting now at 70 pounds. Mm-hmm. But that 70 pounds, when you're excited and you're amped up, and it's mm-hmm. 20 degrees, and you got a big buck in front of you, and you can't pull that, or you pull it, and that let off's just a little too less, and then now now you draw that weight, and then you, you jump back down, while well, that deer is gone. So now you take that down to 67 pounds. It's not going to make one lick of difference and what that arrow does but it's going to make you more accurate not the holding weight because really with the high let off bows of today's day the holding weight is uh the holding weight is too it's so small with an 85 percent let off you're holding 15 percent of 70 pounds hmm. so you're right is that kind of how it goes uh yeah something like that yeah so it is yeah. so you're hardly holding any weight so when you're at full draw, the stress is just comes from holding your shoulders up. I was filming you earlier with a camera, and my shoulders were sore <laughs> after 10 minutes. So so yeah. I, I think pulling too much weight is a big mistake. Everybody's chasing speed. We talked about that earlier. We are. And and speed is important, yes. But, but if you went three pounds down into a 100-grain tip from a 125-grain tip, mm-hmm. you're not going to really change your pin gaps. Right. But what you are going to change is your ability to – you know, especially guys that hunt back east and stuff, um, you, you're drawing back. And it, it just making that draw cycle easier mm-hmm. in a high-stress situation, I think, is, is crazy important.
0: No, I, I totally agree. And somebody's talking about turbos there. I, I, sh- I shoot a turbo first year. I've shot one. And I've always shied away from them because they're way too aggressive. And I yeah. see a lot of guys who um, – Speed
1: bows in general.
0: Speed bows in general are. Um, Hoyt
1: calls them a turbo. They're speed bows across every line. There are. There PSE, are. PSE, that full throttle, that thing was awful to They see. are.
0: The new Evolve cams are amazing though. I heard uh, that. I will say that you know, for, for beginners, I would try and stay away from the turbos. I don't try and choose bows for people. I let the bows choose them but you know you get a lot of these guys that that want to get the coolest you know they get into bow hunting they want to get the coolest newest bow maybe High the one speed. that camera yeah maybe one that Cameron Haynes is using or whatever and Dudley. and yeah and and these guys they're, they're shooting turbos and, and they're getting pulled off the back wall like constantly they're like i love this bow it's like you know somebody should just really be honest with you and say you know maybe we should start you with something with a little bit more let off or a little bit less aggressive cam or a longer brace height um you know you really need to shoot more bows don't right. just buy the first one you get and and yeah, you know it. You you have to bring your brain with you when you're shopping bows. Don't just buy it because it's cool. Don't buy it because I shoot it. Right. Don't buy a Hyperforce because you shoot one. Don't buy, you know. You you need to bring your brain with you when you're choosing these bows. And and I'm glad that somebody brought the turbos up because I have, <laughs> I've seen it multiple times in the in the bow shop. Guys making purchases on bows that they have really no business buying. They don't have the experience. The brace height's not right for them. The draw right. length isn't even hardly right for them. And they're getting pulled. I still get pulled off the back wall with my turbo every. I once do in occasionally.
1: A while. If I get lazy, yeah. I got pulled off the back wall today. I was yeah shooting. I saw that. And I, I saw that. Jumped off. Had to come back. Yeah. So like, and, you know, it's just something that's that- a new bow to me. I haven't shot it a lot. Yeah. So it's kind of so. different. But so what's your what's your next one, Garrett?
0: So another one that I want to talk about is um, basically so you're at full draw, and I call this. I went over this in the video that we're going to upload as well. It's going to be more um, more visual than than yeah. what we're doing here. But you're going to see me draw my bow, and I'm going to say something about being uh, having a chicken wing. And that's when you're – so I'll line up with this camera here. Everything's lined up, but the elbow comes off over here. That's called being a chicken wing, or they're way overextended over here.
1: It falls into that draw length.
0: Draw length. But a lot of times, you'll, especially with guys that have too short a draw length, they will um, – and I'll go over to this camera. They'll be like this, and you see my elbow over here when it should be straight back. That's called being a chick wing, and that's going to pull that string over, and it'll cause you to hit left, right, depending on which way your elbow is directed. Now, I've seen that, and the guy <laughs> – I'm not trying to sound cocky like a douche or anything, but you know, these are things that I've seen and helped guys with at the range after they ask me for help. It's not like I'm pointing that out and saying, hey, dummy. But So this guy was having problems tuning his bow and kept shooting left. kept shooting. didn't matter how far he yeah. moved his sight. And uh, I'm like, okay, and – He's like, I can't figure it out, man. And then I, I watched him shoot. I get right behind him, watch him shoot. And then immediately his arm's over here. And so I'm like, stop, let down. Okay, let me. Uh, you're you're going to draw your bow. I'm going to move your elbow back. And then then you're going to shoot. And then he freaking bullseyed at like 20 yards, 30 <laughs> yards, 40. It started going perk perform. He had to recite in a little bit, you know. But it, it was. I mean, it he was so much better off after just moving his elbow over that much. For I mean, me,
1: it was dropping the elbow in.
0: Yeah, or or raising your shoulder up, and I I do that. Um, yeah, I don't shoot as much as I used to, but you see a lot of guys that shoot, and then w- the more they shoot, the higher that elbow comes up, yeah. and that just changes the uh. It just change. fatigue. It's what it is. You yeah. see, it's your body's compensating because your lats are weak, and your body's just compensating, and so your shoulders just starting to rise high, and you're starting to lean back, and then you're starting to just to use all sorts of different muscles. It just goes downhill from there. Um, but yeah, so stop chicken winging bring that elbow instead of right here, bring it straight back and then let it go.
1: Yeah. I think uh, a lot of these little things that we're talking about can mm-hmm. all cause form issues. And so like somebody can't just tell you like, Oh, uh, Oh, he shoots back as his forms bad. Well, there's so many things that could cause bad form, right? Wrong. Even your release being, um, I, uh, I thought about this the other day. So back to a release like this one here, uh-huh. which is like a long shank, oh. um, release. If, if you're a guy that likes to have a release tight in his hand, this is kind of how I keep mine, right? Just the, the length of my my uh, palm at my first joint there on my fingers. So when I draw back and I get anchored and I set that finger in, my my anchor point is good. Now, if and I use a one with a nylon strap. Yeah, me too. Okay. So you use one like this. For me... Uh, It actually really negatively affects my anchor point because I'm here. That's the next thing I wanted to talk about was anchor points, Um, consistent anchor points. Mm -hmm. So another thing, inconsistency can breed form issues, right? Because now you have this super long shank and now you can't anchor where you wanted to here because this is in your way. So now you've got your knuckle way up here and then trying to anchor there you're kind of cocking your head over and then that's causing that string pressure with your nose or your face. Mm-hmm. And that'll cause the pull the same way.
0: Yeah. And, and you're talking about that, that, could, that can go, go into something else. And there's a couple of questions on here. We need to answer real quick. Okay. Let's answer those. Uh, both eyes open, one eye closed. And so I shoot both eyes open. I show, I shoot both eyes open until about five seconds before that release goes off. And I focus with one eye, but the whole time, um, and, and there's multiple reasons I do that. It's just I can see everything, I can see my, I can see everything. I can see off over here, maybe there's an animal over here, maybe there's something that I'm missing if I'm keeping that one eye closed. So when I draw back, up until the point where that shot's about to go, I close my eye at the last second and I focus hard on that bullseye. So I use both eyes and then until about the last five to ten seconds of the shot, then I close my eye. So, um, and then what was another one? So does changing the poundage on your bow change your tune? It does. Um, it will change the the spine. Um, basically, it'll, it'll change potentially the spine on on your arrow, the effects it'll have. So, say if you're over pounded, or you're you're underspined and you're over bowed. If you drop your bow down, um, some guys actually can tune their arrows with their poundage. If for the guys that are more accurate than others, it's called poundage tuning or whatever you want to call it, spine tuning. Um, and basically, what they're doing is that they're they're correct correctly spined, but they're finding where that spine really likes to be shot at. So we're talking within three to four pounds difference right? and they'll, they'll see their groups, you know, they're shooting good, but then they're just looking for that extra little bit of tying group. So uh, depending on how big of a change, yes, it can affect, it can affect your tune. Yeah. Most of the times, if you're only changing it by a pound or two, no.
1: But that little pound or two can make a huge difference in your ability to pull comfortably.
0: It can. And you know, and so, so
1: going from shooting that, let's say a four inch group at 40 yards Yeah, mm-hmm. and going up a pound, maybe when you're shooting good, mm-hmm. you shoot a three inch group to mm-hmm. me, not worth it because if you can't pull that bow and shoot it good when it matters, right? You have one draw, one arrow, one perfect release to yeah. kill the animal that you're shooting. Mm-hmm. My thing is for every tag, I generate one perfect opportunity at an animal, right? So if you can't be perfect in that one moment, right? That, that, two pounds affecting your spine and taking you from group shooting to from a four inch group to a three inch group to me not worth it right. if you go up a pound and it shrinks your group by an inch at 40 yards and and an inch and a half at 60 yards to me still not worth it hmm. and that's just my opinion if it's if it's something that you can't shoot comfortably right. by going up a pound it makes it a little better but you can only shoot three or four shots like that right well now take the the adrenaline rush of That big buck you have on your trail camera (laughs) finally walks out. Now you get that adrenaline rush and pulling that extra pound. Yeah. That could make a difference. Yeah. So for me, I think... Whatever you shoot comfortably, you're going to shoot best,
0: and that's all. That's all part of figuring it out. You're not going to know these things unless you actually get out there and shoot your bow often right. and shoot it often. And I mean, back when I was shooting a lot, and I go back to 2000 we whatever 10, when I shoot, arrows? I shot 20,000 arrows before before deer season between January 24th and deer season late August. Yeah. Um. You know, and I, my shoulders still praying the pr- the price for that, yeah. and that's when the halon six was new. Yeah. Um. You know, granted that was how too many strings arrows. you go through? Uh, I went through um two two sets. Two Sets of strings. Um, they went through the original ones and then I bought aftermarket ones and then I replaced them again right before season.
1: And then your Halon got jacked
0: and then my Halon got stolen. Yeah,
1: sad, sad <laughs> day. Beautiful house in a shitty neighborhood. Yeah, I know, <laughs> I know. Um,
0: but, um, uh, you know, so poundage also that'll cause draw issues. So, you know, yeah. my shoulder guys hate my draw. I don't like my draw either.
1: You do, you yeah. know, I draw
0: straight to the chest. You know, guys are like, I don't, I, I know, I know, don't kill me, but you know, just the way my shoulder works now, I, I. When I use my hinge, I can get that elbow up, but um, I draw straight down to the chest. Some guys like that. I know professional guys that they shoot proper, and then when they bow hunt, they draw straight to the chest, and those are guys that are professionals.
1: See, for me, it's, it's I don't know. I think since I started getting a lot stronger, exercising a lot, mm-hmm. it's really easy for me. It's, my bow 72 pounds, I think, mm-hmm. 73 pounds, something maxed out, mm-hmm. and it's just kind of like a yeah perfect, easy draw, and yeah. I got a bad shoulders, yeah. but... For some reason, that's just if I start drawing that way, it pisses me off. So I just have to like focus and just yeah. And I probably shoot, I would say ten thousand arrows a year, maybe. Yeah, that's pretty good. I don't know How, what does that average out to per day. Thirty.
0: I have no idea. You're asking me to do math.
1: <laughs> yeah, three shots a day would be over a thousand. So yeah, I'd say if you shoot thirty arrows a day, you shoot ten thousand arrows a year. Is that right?
0: I have no idea. Somebody should, should do the math on that that's listening. Yeah, days. somebody but that's listening, tell me. Is that's that- a lot of shooting. Yeah, well, you know, I, I, I don't shoot that much anymore. I, I'm probably only about 8,000 this year, but, um, you know, back when I was that's really... weak. F- <laughs> You're weak. Well, I, I know I did the YouTube and the
1: podcast. No, I know, and me too. That, I, you Because know, I'm like, I'm going to shoot more if I do all that stuff. No, actually, I shoot less. <laughs> fire season destroyed me. I didn't shoot my bow for like eight weeks, really? six weeks, and now it's like... Jeez, yeah. what is this thing set at 90 pounds yeah like so well, you have to the consistency is big so
0: yeah and, and i do agree with you draw weight's huge you'll start getting these guys that sky draw and if you go back and to the like the beginning of my youtube channel you'll see me when i got that i was chasing speed right shooting that i halon? was shooting a 28 inch i should have been shooting a 26 yeah shooting the halon 6 i was a half inch too long and that's about five pounds too heavy and i'm sky drawn in those videos but I'm hammering, you know, targets at 120 yards, 150 right. yards. But I'm sky drawn, and man, you know, that's just all part of, you know, learning and growing. And and when I when I shorten that up, my, my draw was great. But you know, chasing speed is not going to end up, you know, in, in the long run. It's just not no. worth it.
1: What's five? What's five foot per second? Yeah. What's five extra
0: run? pounds? You know, versus you being accurate versus you not being accurate, and and really any more bows are way faster than they used to be. Oh yeah. Um, granted i still shoot 70 pounds but you know yeah i shoot 70 pounds i i, I got
1: 80 pound limbs for the elite i I, I like shooting
0: between 280 and 290 for for hunting yeah the trajectory is great i like the trajectory i'm used to it i don't have to really think about holding over if i don't have time to adjust my sight somebody said something about using a slink single pin slider
1: oh six thousand at 30 yards a day thank you for doing the math i uh, appreciate you yeah Um,
0: uh, <laughs> and so you know it's it's really all about just practicing how you play but um, so you, you had poundage.
1: I had poundage. That was my last one.
0: So another thing that I see that I, that it doesn't drive me nuts, but it, it just makes it, it just makes, makes me cringe is facial pressure. Facial. Yeah. Facial. Oh, facial pressure. Facial pressure. So what am I talking about there? So when you pull back your bow, right? And, uh, I might have to, and in your, in your strings, just strings, just digging into your cheek. Oh, here I'm left-handed. Hard. Yeah, I can do it. You can do it. So just bury that freaking string into your cheek. Or you're yeah, it there's guys that do that.
1: Right, for this Harold. Uh.
0: And uh it what that's doing is that's causing you, <laughs> you tipped oh, over man. your phone. What that's doing is again, you're you're adding more variables into your shot. You're adding more inconsistencies, more things that you're gonna have to be duplicatable with, more things that you're gonna have to be consistent with. And again, can you shoot really accurate like that? Yeah, you can shoot extremely accurate doing that if you're consistent with it, but again, that's going to cause you accuracy in the long run, because eventually you're not going to put the same amount of pressure in there. Right. So uh, that's ha, over ten thousand right. a year.
1: No, it's correct. I myself, it's over ten thousand a year.
0: So uh, you know, facial pressure, and then also putting too much pressure with your nose near the peep will push your peep down, and then make you have to realign your housing and make you shoot high or low depending on what you're doing. There. Happens
1: to me. Yeah, happens to me a lot. I uh,
0: too much pressure on your string with your nose.
1: Uh, my face and my nose. Uh, so like I'll draw. Issue. Yeah, especially I think that can fall back into too long a draw length. If you're all these things, we're in a big whirlwind of of one bad habit leading to the next bad habit. But if you can, if you can listen to this podcast and honestly evaluate yourself and say you don't do any of these things, yeah, you probably shoot freaking lights out. But I know I oh, do. I think you're lying to yourself. I do a lot. I, I do almost <laughs> all of these things, you know. Like you know,
0: like I said, it's it's a war that has to be fought every day. I practice more on target panic than probably most people that have target panic practice because I want to wear wear it out wear it, you know, prevent it. Yeah, and that's why I got the hinge. I've got it. Yeah, you know, so. I've got it too. I mean, I think honestly, anybody that's shot a trigger release. Has had target panic or deals with target panic, isn't willing to admit it or doesn't even know they have it. Yeah. And uh, the, just the feeling of punching that trigger is just way too high. With a trigger release, you have to start from scratch and really, really build yourself up. Or, or you know, things that I like to see people videoing themselves, guys that want me to help them, send me a slow mo video, send me different angles. Typically, the best angle is right up here above you. So if you're left-handed it would be over here. Yeah. Send me that angle down on you so I can see everything. I mean, if you want me to help you, you have to you have to send me these things. I can't just see a picture and and yeah, how do I know that you haven't anchored into your bow yet? How do I know that you haven't settled into your shot yet? How do I know that you're not gripping your bow, your chicken wing, all these things?
1: We well, have to be willing to evaluate yourself you too do. and like and and take things with a grain of salt. A lot of things that we're talking about may not affect you, but they affect me or they affect Garrett, mm-hmm. you know, so yeah, I'm gonna put an end to my live video here because my phone is about to die. <laughs> apparently, this thing sucks up a lot of juice. Yeah, sorry guys, it just killed like sixty percent of my battery. So <laughs> did it really? Yeah, I'm gonna have to end this live video. But thank you guys for following along mm-hmm. and your questions and your incredible math skills. So yeah, we'll tell the, the next
0: one. We'll keep the YouTube video rolling. So check us out on there, but. So for the guys in wrap up, so we, we've gone over, you know, draw length, we've gone over facial, uh, pressure, we've gone over, um, you know, another thing I want to talk about is stance. Um, I'm not going to tell you whether a more open stance is good, whether you're squared up, if you guys are the target, whether you're squared up like this, whether you're slightly open or what, um you've helped me a ton with my process and forming scared. Oh, you're welcome, man. And, um, you know, that's, that's a guy right there that likes to learn and, and is really able to be critiqued and not, you know, hate the person that's doing it. So you've been awesome to work with, man. And, and, uh, you know, thanks for being part of the process. And, 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 uh, I am talking about you when I was talking about guys sending me videos. So thanks for doing that. But, um, so, you know, your stance, you know, you shouldn't, you should, I'm not going to say be this way or that way, but, What I am saying is that you should be – here, I'll stand up for it. You should be straight up and down. Oh, uh uh-oh. There we go. You should be straight up and down, right? You shouldn't be leaning back like this, leaning forward like that. You shouldn't be collapsing on the shot. You should be standing up nice and straight. I go a little bit less than shoulder, maybe right out shoulder width, and there's a straight line going from here down straight all the way down to the ground. So my head's not over here. It's not over here. Your spine alignment. It's not yeah, your spine alignment is a straight line. You're standing nice and tall, like you're receiving the you know, the presidential presidential award from the president or something. This
1: award is going to be huge. <laughs>
0: and uh, you know, it's it's just having good I I, I talk I talk about, it, you know, shoot confident. Yeah. Have a confident stance. Like a swagger. Like, yeah, like like you are the biggest freaking badass guy out there on the planet, you know, chin up shoot proper and then execute the shot. And then you'll see me, you know, a lot of times if you have a long draw length, back to draw length, you know, guys will start going like this. They'll start using different muscles to compensate for having to it just doesn't work. You know, your draw length has so much to do and I'm glad you brought that up. Your draw length has so much to do with the shot process and it it, it really affects it, you know, you're 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 Draw length will spilleth over into the rest of your shot process.
1: Without draw length, shall spilleth over.
0: Shall spilleth over, and it will, it will cripple you in the long run. Yeah. Um, so, you know, sometimes I may transfer a little bit of weight onto my back foot for an uphill shot. So I'll, I'll transfer, I'll transfer a little bit of weight, and that maybe bring me a little bit back. But I will say for up and downhill shots, and guys, you know. You know for guys that don't know up and downhill shots, you don't want to be going like this, you don't want to be going like that. You, want to lean. you actually do want to bend at the waist yep. and go like this. And granted, I do help myself out like that cuz I'll be more accurate going like this than I will if I have to go like this. Yep. You know, it's and it's the, um
1: the draw length spilling over to everything, that's another huge one. If your draw length is a a quarter inch too long, you're you're always going to be to me and right. you said it earlier, you're always going to be better off short. Yeah. And so if your draw length is just a quarter inch too long and you have to make a steep downhill shot. Oh, that would be you, hard. You cannot pull through it.
0: That would be really hard.
1: To me, at least. You can. not And you're always going to be, I know a guy that, uh, Derek, his draw length, I think, is 28. Hmm. And he sh- he sets his hunting bows up at 27 and a half. Hmm. Just because, and, and he's comfortable at 28. But he sets up at 27 and a half because he says I'm more accurate, shorter. Yeah. So that's a guy right there. It's easier to pull. It's going to say, well, I'm not worried about the speed I get from half an no. inch of draw length, which is probably six to nine foot per second. I don't care. I don't care about the speed. Yeah. I shoot better like this because it really doesn't freaking matter how fast you shoot your arrow if you hit something in the ass with it. <laughs> right. It doesn't matter how fast You're it's going. You're only going to miss quicker. <laughs> it, that's what I'm saying. It doesn't matter how fast it's going if you right. can't freaking shoot it.
0: Right. So uh, so I, I went over that. Is there anything else that you want to add on a shooting a bow that may cripple people up before we uh – wrap this thing up
1: well i think it doesn't go into um actual uh mistakes in any form but it is equipment related um your setup as a whole so the accessories you put on the bow having them tuned right so just having a tuned bow but i think arrow selections big we talked about that sweet spot of speed um for me if I'm out of that realm, it kind of throws me off, especially over here in Oregon on the coast, shooting through brush. If you're shooting 260, it's going to be rough. But I mean, a lot of people do it. But for me, because yeah. you know now I'm, I shoot pretty quick, 285. Mm-hmm. So if I went back to shooting 255, 260, which I shot 268 last year, mm-hmm. and for the previous five years I shot 268, now I shoot 285. Mm-hmm. So if I went back to that, I, I can see how that would be crippling because if you can't... It, you know, if you range something at 38 yards and it walks off three yards, well, that's not a big deal with a bow that's shooting 285. Right. You know, you could hold in the same exact spot and you're going to hit. With a bow that's shooting 260, right. that may not be the truth. So right. I just think as a whole getting, you know, a lot of guys rag on bow shops, but that's where you cut your teeth at is a bow shop. So getting in there and, and, and pestering people with questions, yeah. at messaging guys like Garrett that know – a lot more about shooting bows than you do or I do. Um, you know, reaching out to guys watching videos. John Dudley, I talk about him all the time. Yeah. He is the gigantic Yoda of lime greenness. Yeah. <laughs> and he's the guy. He is. If you've got a question, I'm he's super responsive from what I hear. On Instagram, he's really responsive. If you comment, yeah. hey, John, I'm doing this, you know, he might make a freaking YouTube video just because you asked him a good question. Yep. I've done that um, too. Yep. And the guy, you know, there's so many available. Um, platforms for knowledge, right? You can just watch these ASA shoots or something where you've got all these different dudes doing all these different things (laughs) and realize that all it foils back to is trusting your setup and having consistency because you look at like Tim Gillingham does the craziest shit.
0: He does all sorts of stuff. And
1: he's a beast. And then like Levi, he talks about it. He's like, oh yeah, these guys are going to hate me, but I don't even pull through my hinge. I just roll my hand over. Yeah. And and all, for years everybody tells you no, you have to pull through. Right, and he just says, I don't do that. I just I just rotate my hand and
0: to expand on that. And he says that's that's been a new revelation since the let offs have been what they are now. He's like a lot of the new bows, the guys don't have to pull through shots. And so if you're not getting that separation, don't think that you're automatically doing it wrong. Um, but that that is a great point. I'm glad you brought that up because you know I I was using my hand to activate the hinge. I was doing my uh, undoing my index finger just relaxing it and then it would pivot on my middle finger and then i'd slowly kind of go like this with my ring finger so i'd pull in and then let go with my index you're still the activating time. the trigger with your hand you are but that what that would do for me is that would pull, that would change my anchor on my string it would when i'd go it would pull the string farther away from my face right and so you know my elbow works for me on that one but with these newer high lot off bows and the reason i'm going over this because somebody on one of these phones was saying something about what about the new let off oh the bows? yeah what that does is is it lets people get lazy, yeah. and get away with it, yeah. So you know these these new these new fast high let off bows with ninety ninety five percent let off. What do you want to call them? You know, they 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 work great and for hunting they are phenomenal. Oh, right? yeah. You can hold back forever. However, if you are wanting to be a more accurate archer, they're not going to keep you honest. When I get pulled off my 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 back wall, that's because I'm getting lazy and the bow is exposing it. You're yeah. not going to get that with a ninety percent let off bow. So you know. Do you want to be able to hold back longer on that buck, or do you want to be more accurate in general? I mean, you can have both, but you know it's gonna be it's gonna critique you more, and you're gonna get more out of your out of your bow with less let off. You're gonna get more speed, all that stuff. But again, some guys like that high let off. I like about eighty-five. I'm good at eighty, eighty-five. And this 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 turbo at eighties, probably I probably should have went with the eighty-fives, but you know I wanted that extra three feet per second, five feet per second. (laughs) Yeah, and, uh, you speed know, chaser. You. Yeah,
1: I, I, I get pulled off the back
0: wall every once in a while, and, and so I'll probably but, be going to a little bit less aggressive bow next year. But to me,
1: it's a good reminder, though. I mean, yeah, that that little like, hey, jackass, don't be lazy, right? <laughs> yeah. Settle no, into that. Settle you're not, into pulling, that anchor you're point. not
0: pulling through, and that's why I like it. Is because I, I I love being exposed when I'm doing something wrong, right? And so that bow... I just like being exposed. <laughs> <laughs> well, that bow does it for me. So when I'm when I'm being lazy, I want to know on that prime I shot last year it wasn't aggressive enough, it would creep off the back wall and you would never even feel it. Yeah. And so, you know, it's it's user preference, let offs, you know, they allow for more user air and less actual, you know, archery. Um, but, you know, there's some huge benefits to it. And so sure. you, you need to pick you know pick your poison there. But
1: Well, I think we covered most of I mean, I'm not gonna say you were you or I are professional archers, <laughs> no bow hunters, anything, but just sharing the knowledge of mistakes that we've made throughout the years could perhaps set somebody off on the right foot. Right. That
0: like I said, I shot I, – I would say I didn't shoot wrong, but I didn't shoot proper yeah. for seven or eight years. I, prob-
1: I didn't start shooting proper probably until a year and a half or two ago, yeah. and it's changed the game. It's man. changed it. – it It's amazing makes how It makes it that much more fun. Yeah, I remember when I was like setting my big like 18-inch block target up mm-hmm. at 60 yards, and – curious if I was gonna hit it and I was like stoked because I put four out of six arrows in the block <laughs> and the other two were in the dirt. Yeah. And now it's like shit, if I'm not if I'm not in the you know, in the vicinity of exactly what I'm aiming at, something's wrong. Yeah. And so I think as you better your I, I think a big thing too, as you better your your archery game and I'm calling archery and bow hunting two different things. Mm-hmm. As you better your archery game, you become a better bow hunter. But to become a good bow hunter, I think that You know, you think about it, and and you might say it took me 20,000 shots to become a good archer. Right. We're never going to get 20,000 shots on animals. So you have to burn that process in, but it's still going to take time. And for everybody still does it. At least I do. Mm -hmm. I still draw on an animal and get super excited and Mm -hmm. still make shitty shots. But my crappy shots are a thousand times better now than they were three years ago. Yeah. You know, You know, now me making a shitty shot is a lot better than old me making (laughs) a bad shot. Now it's that miss is maybe a couple inches versus a foot. Exactly, it's a difference between oh, I I didn't double lung it. You know, I hit it in the heart on accident. Right. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? So, so I think just um, don't don't get down on yourself making bad shots on critters missing. Right. Right. Um, Because. Everybody talks about that. It's going to happen. You're going to miss. I've missed more things than I've successfully shot. Right. Um, And the more opportunities you give yourself, the better you're going to get at executing properly when you're put in that high-pressure situation.
0: For sure. And and expand off of that, guys, and we'll wrap this thing up here. You know, I, I got real excited on that mule deer this year. I drew back on him and my pin wouldn't settle and I'm thinking god damn it, you know, like I waited too long for this. I this is the deer I wanted. And so I, you know, at full draw, I'm like I he I may not get a draw again on him. So what I did is I took two deep breaths and I just I just didn't even look through my housing. I just kind of went like this, just you know, just calm down, you idiot, and yeah. then look back through my peep. There it was, punk and gone, you know. Yeah. And just having enough self-control, you're you're only going to get that through more shots, through more shot yeah. processes, through shooting at more animals. Too many guys, and I know this because I've seen it and I've done it myself for years, too many guys go into a shot knowing they're going to shoot Yeah. prior to drawing on that can't animal. Can't let down. You ca- they can't let down. You see it all the time in target archery, but you see it a lot in bow hunting. We
1: hear Snyder talk about it a lot, too. Really? Aaron Snyder. Oh. He says, uh, guys... Guys draw and they think they have to shoot. Yeah. Well, you don't have to shoot, idiot. You can just draw and then decide it's not going to work yeah. and let down. I'm and more, guess what? Yeah. You're you're going to find another animal. Yeah. you know. I'm more would impressed you,
0: with a guy that has enough mental toughness to let down than a guy that gets a shot off that he shouldn't have.
1: Right. Would you rather yep. let down and say, yeah, I let down and I didn't fill that tag today, but yeah. I'm going back out tomorrow? Yeah. Or do you want to not sleep all freaking night because you smelled your arrow and it smells like guts? Yeah. You know? Yeah, well so, put. Well put. To wrap it up, I think my closing thoughts have already been ran through. I, I think just <laughs> practice makes per- perfect practice makes perfect.
0: Yeah. Well, if, if you guys uh, want to follow Royce, you know, so we may be getting some guys that haven't seen Royce. He has the Bow Hike podcast. Yep. You know, good friend of mine. Um, go listen to the Bow Hike podcast. It's more.
1: Well, the, I guess this is the Bow Hike podcast. Uh, this will be
0: a co episode. Co episode. Go um, so sleeping. The Bow Hike podcast is a little bit more loose <laughs> and uh, less PC. Less PC, it's fun to listen to, good guests. Uh, you get a good sense of humor on that podcast. And what's your what's your Instagram handle?
1: RBC underscore hunts.
0: RBC underscore hunts. Go follow him on there, and you know what? Tell him that Garrett sent him, so he knows how many people we followed. He sent him yeah, over. Yeah, you're still not getting a free hat. I know. <laughs> and and uh, in, in for for he's on he's on YouTube as well. Doesn't really do much on there yet. Yeah. It's, but if you want to get ahead of the curve on that, it's uh, Royce Chambers. His name. Yep. He'll pull right up, and then has the bow hike emblem right right yep. there on the podcast. All that's
1: on there pretty much worth watching is my fall bear video.
0: Yeah, and it was a well-done video. It looks like something I would have done. I it was mean, with a rifle. Same exact style that I like.
1: You don't sound cocky at all. Oh, what? yeah, it looks like something I would oh. have done.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I meant like the style of edit. Yeah. So, all that, right,
1: guys. Well, I think uh, we could wrap her up, huh?
0: As always, guys, thanks for watching. Subscribe if you want to see more. We'll see you on the next one.
1: Thank you for listening to the <laughs> On Point podcast. And, <laughs> break, thank you for listening to the Bowhike podcast.
0: I <laughs> will see you guys on the next one. Bye. Alright guys, that's this week's episode of the podcast. Thank you Royce for coming back onto the show. Thank you for tuning in and I want to give a shout out to Black Willow Coatings who made me some custom on point arrows and they look amazing and not only does the coating stand out way more than any wrap I've ever had on my arrow, it's it's twice as long as the wraps that I currently use and they're lighter. So there's a lot of benefits to these things. He guarantees the coating for a year and uh, just really impressed with pretty much the overall quality but how much these things actually stand out they are super bright so uh really impressed with his work great guy riley out of louisiana doing some really good work so if you're looking to customize your arrows or just get something that stands out a little bit more or whatever it may be get a hold of riley at black willow coatings and give him a shout out. I posted these uh, arrows on my Instagram. I also uh, tagged him in the posts. So if you want to get more information, you can do that. Um, Check out my Instagram if you guys want to see the on-point arrows. And these things are pretty awesome. I cannot wait to use them on my next hunt. They're going to look pretty cool in the quiver. So all right, guys, that's this week's episode of the podcast. As always, leave a five-star review with a comment. Get yourself entered in these giveaways that I'm doing, and I will see you on the next one. Bye.